right, we'll turn to Genesis, Genesis chapter 7. Genesis chapter 7. It's taking us a while to get through the story of Noah, but we're going to read chapter 7. Lord, open thou our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Amen. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Of fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. And Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Of clean beasts and of beasts that are not clean and of fowls and of everything that creepeth upon the earth. There went in two and two unto Noah into the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. In the six hundredth year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventeenth day of the month, the same day, were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. And the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. In the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. They and every beast after his kind and all the cattle after their kind and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind and every fowl after his kind and every bird of every sort. And they went in unto Noah into the ark two and two of all flesh were in as the breath of life. And they that went in went in male and female of all flesh as God had commanded him and the Lord shut him in. And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lifted above the earth. We'll stop reading there for the moment. We have been, as we have been looking at the story of Noah, and what we went back to Luke and it said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. Meaning that when Jesus was talking, he was explaining that the way things were in Noah's day would come again in the last days. 
And if Jesus said that, we thought it advisable for us to see what it was like in Noah's day and then see how it is going to pan out in our day. We have also been looking as we have uh, looked at this each, each week at various little things which have indicated how the Christian world is compromising and how the witness in the world is compromising, leading into what will eventually be a one-world church and the, the, the kingdom of the Antichrist and the false prophet. A couple of little things this week. John Stott, who everyone a few years ago held up as a great evangelical, uh, on the 28th of September, he was celebrating his 80th birthday, and also a thing called the Lam Langham Partnership. He was one-time rector of Langham Place, All Souls Langham Place. Well, he celebrated this in Clifton Roman Catholic Cathedral in Bristol. Isn't that incredible? The man who was set up, of course, he now is an annihilationist. He doesn't believe in hell as eternal punishment. Another little thing which I, I thought was interesting, the Bishop of the Anglican Church of Canada's beleaguered Diocese of Caribou, which is in British Columbia, has announced his resignation as his diocese moves towards dissolution. Bishop James Cruikshanks his name and said he would resign on the 31st of December when the diocese expected to close its operations. This is due to the costs of litigation linked to sexual abuse in a home by a superior uh, some time ago. And many dioceses may follow the, and the whole Anglican Church in Canada could be in danger. The diocese is closing down, has to close down because there's no money left to run the diocese because they've had to pay out so much in abuse cases. It's, it's, it, the whole thing is going from bad to worse as we look out on the world. There was a little thing came in about Christians, uh, we, all this thing about the trouble in, in Afghanistan. Uh, they have issued a fatwa. Muslim religious leaders in Pakistan are reported to have issued a fatwa stating that two Pakistani Christians will be killed for every Muslim who dies during American strikes in Afghanistan. Earlier, Mulana Sami ul a former member of Pakistani's Legislative Assembly and a nationally recognized figure closely connected by, uh, to the Islamic extremist movement, told journalists that the Quran clearly states that Jews and Christians are the enemies of Muslims and by inference should be killed. And that's basically what the Quran does say. But we are told that they are all moderates. Another interesting thing was that a soul for Europe is an ecumenical project to develop a European spirituality. The Soul for Europe campaign president uh, is a man called Claude Watcherler. A press release from Winburton, coordinator for a Soul for Europe, enthusiastically announces new European Commission funds for the year 2002 for projects with a spiritual and ethical dimension which support European integration. If you are prepared to, to have a spiritual thing which is going to support European in integration, you'll get funds from the European Union. Incidentally, another interesting thing here was that the, the man who was at the background 
Robert, he's the, the founder, the EU founding father was a man called Robert Schumann. And he's currently being beatified by the Pope for his services to European integration. It's not strange. So the, everything is happening very quickly and it seems to have accelerated. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. There are other things there, but we haven't time to go through them. You know, as we looked at Noah in the last few weeks, I, I thought it was a bit like a play. You know, when we were kids, we used to study Shakespeare and things, and there were different acts and different scenes. And up until now, we sort of had act one, scene one. And that was a, a plane, a big open plane, and God talking to a man. Now we come to today's story, and it's a hundred and two, it's the same act one, scene two, and it's the same place, an open plain, 120 years later, it was 120 years between chapter six and chapter seven, and a large open plain, and then there's a large boat. That's the only difference, and God is speaking to the man again. And he comes here and he speaks to him. And God says, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. What a wonderful invitation that was God gave Noah. He says, All the ones in your household are invited into the ark. Come, he says. Everything's ready. Judgment is coming. Come on into the ark. I was reminded of the parable in Luke chapter 14. You all know it so well, it's hardly worthwhile looking up. But we'll turn over to Luke chapter 14. And we have the story there of a man who made a great banquet. And in verse 17, he sent his servant out to tell the people, he said at supper time, to say to them that they were bidden, come for all things are now ready. And that's what God said to Noah. Come on into the ark. Everything's ready. Come thou into the ark. These people had been invited to a banquet. And we know that they all started to make excuses. One had bought a field. One had bought a yoke of oxen. One had married a wife. And they didn't come. I wonder what excuses the people gave to Noah in his day. Noah had preached righteousness to them for more than 120 years. Because when God saw him at the start of this whole thing, he was a righteous man. He was a man who was preaching righteousness. He was a preacher of righteousness. And I wonder what excuses they had given to Noah. I wonder what excuses people will give in our day when you tell them that God is going to bring judgment on this world. Probably the same excuses that they, they gave Noah in his day. There's nothing new under the sun, so there isn't. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, everything has happened before and it will happen again. In the parable, the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded and there's still room. There was room in the ark for these people. There was plenty of room in the ark, but they wouldn't come. 
Sadly, when we tell people the gospel story, there will be many who won't come. There's room for them to come. Have you any room for Jesus? He who bore your load of sin, as he knocks and asks admission, sinner, will you let him in? Behold, the scripture says, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. But Noah said, uh, God said to Noah, For I have seen you righteous before me in this generation. God was speaking to Noah. He said, come on into the ark because you're righteous. And that's the qualification for getting into this ark. I have seen you righteous before me. It was from God's standpoint that Noah was righteous. I have seen you righteous. It was God speaking. You know, a lot of the men that were around Noah at the time may have thought they were righteous. But from God's standpoint, there were only eight people who were righteous in the whole of the world. From God's standpoint, Noah was righteous. And it's the same today. Many people think they have a right to get to heaven. But that's from their standpoint. God said, I. It was from God's standpoint. And it's from God's standpoint that that people will be judged whether they're fit for heaven or not. I. Looking at it from, from man's standpoint, what does God say? But we are all unclean. All our righteousnesses, all our goodness, all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. The best thing we can do for God is just like a filthy rag. And God said, I have seen you righteous before me. How many of us can stand before a righteous God and claim that we are righteous? None of us. There is none righteous. But when we come in simple faith and trust to the Lord Jesus Christ, we are given a robe of righteousness. The Lord Jesus Christ is our righteousness. And we can stand before God clothed in his righteousness. How was Noah righteous? Hebrews 11.7 says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. He became the heir of righteousness. How? By faith. Hebrews 11.1 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And it goes on to say, without faith it is impossible to please God. And then it goes into Romans, it says that just shall live by faith. You see, he was made righteous by faith. By faith in God. Listen. Noah's work in building the ark did not save him or make him righteous. 
Noah's work in building the ark didn't make him righteous. The building of the ark was a result of his faith. James 2.26 it says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Faith without works is dead. Strangely enough, there's an article in this little paper I get written by a chap who, uh, from Ireland who is a converted Roman Catholic. And he was uh, high up in the Legion of Mary. And we used to have open air meetings in Dublin years ago. And he might have been one of the fellows that used to shout at us. He used to shout, they used to shout, faith without works is dead. Meaning that they were able to work their way to heaven in some, in some way. That's not what it means. That's not what it means. It says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. In Ephesians it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath ordained that we should walk in them. When we become Christians, we are a new creation. This is important. We're a new creation. We are created in Jesus Christ. New. All things are passed away. All things are become new. We now should live and walk by faith. The old nature cannot ever produce good works to please God. The old nature, whatever man outside of Christ cannot please God. By his works. All the best things we can do. The Bible says. Are like filthy rags. But now because of the living faith within us. We can produce good works. And thereby showing that our faith. Is a living faith. And that is the way it was. With Noah. Faith without works is a dead faith. Lacking reality. Noah had faith and complete trust in God and because of that faith he produced the ark. But by producing the ark didn't make him righteous. It, the producing of the ark was as a result of his faith in God. Faith without works is a dead faith. If your faith and my faith doesn't produce works that please God then we must examine our faith to see whether we have that saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is how Noah pleased God. Noah pleased God by putting his faith into practice. And you and I should, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5, we should walk by faith and not by sight. I hope we understand that. I hope it's clear. And in verses 2 to 4 of chapter 7, God then restates the instructions he'd given to Noah 120 years previously. 
in case he'd forgotten. It is interesting that the concept, just as a matter of interest, of clean and unclean animals was here before the law was introduced in Leviticus. I don't know how Noah knew about this. God told him about it. But the concept of clean and unclean animals wasn't really brought in until the book of Leviticus. But here, the concept was still there. And this was to enable, why did they go in? Why were there more of the clean animals than the unclean animals? Well, that was because those were the only animals that were acceptable to God as a sacrifice. And when they went in two by two, that was to enable them to reproduce and to be uh, able to reproduce again in the new world which was coming. The, the, the clean animals went in seven by seven, seven, sevens, two by two in sevens. And that was so that, Moses, that Noah could eventually sacrifice those animals when he wanted to in the, the new world. And then, uh, that's just by the way. And then God said to him, in verse 4, it's here, seven days, seven days. And I am going to bring this judgment upon the earth. How this must have shaken Noah. He'd been working to this, to, to this plan that God had given him. And now God said seven days. It's frightening. Wasn't it? I mean, we read these things, but think of Noah. He said, in seven days you're going to have to move into this ark. I'm going to bring judgment. Surely this would have some effect on Noah's contemporaries. Surely that when he went out to preach now in the last seven days. You know, we are told that judgment is coming upon this earth. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. There's judgment coming. And you know, there's a wonderful verse again in verse 7. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. It's repeated a few times that. Noah did everything God told him to do. Amazing character. What a wonderful man. The only righteous man on earth, apart from the rest of his family. We think we're bad sometimes. We, have a, we think we're isolated. But you weren't anything isolated like the way Noah was. But it's going to be like that again. We get disheartened sometimes, maybe, with numbers and things like that. Jesus said... Noah was isolated. He was the only, his family were the only ones in the whole earth who were righteous before me. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Can you visualize the final days, that final week in Noah's life? Oh, we he got that old food in. Get it all in there. Pack it in. All the clothes, they packed everything you can imagine it bedding for all the animals and the family lists being checked Fine. and more importantly I wonder what his final messages were to the people around him wonder 
There must have been a sense of urgency in those final sermons that he gave and talks as he was packing the things in because the people around him must have seen something was happening. Something, something different. Have I that sense of urgency that Noah must have had in those final seven days? Judgment is coming. While I was looking at this last night, did you ever think it strange that our Lord used probably the two most unbelieved and ridiculed events in the whole of Scripture to illustrate two vital truths? Strange, isn't it? You know, if you have been doing it, or I have been doing it, uh, and we've been discussing how are we going to tell people about coming judgment. And we said, well, we'll tell them about the flood. Oh, no, half the people don't believe that story in any case. More, most people don't believe the story of a universal flood. Don't, don't, get something more concrete that people will accept. And then when we tell them that, they will accept the story of coming judgment. No, God chose the flood Jesus said as it was in the days of Noah he believed in the flood he believed it wholeheartedly and he said the reason why things are going to get worse is because that's the way it was before the flood and the other thing was uh, the, the, the days of Jonah as proof that he was the Messiah that he would be dead and buried three days as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. So shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The story of Jonah. Pick something surely that people believe. Nobody believes these days about Jonah being swallowed by a huge fish and being vomited out on the, on the beach and then going into town. Get something that people will believe. No. Jesus said, Proof that I am the Messiah is the same as the fact that Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. Strange that, isn't it? That he picked out two of the most unbelieved and ridiculed facts to prove what was going to happen in the future and to prove that he was the Son of God. Now verse 7, And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. It would appear that when the, as soon as the, the judgment started, in went Noah. And all the animals went in unto Noah as well. And we looked back last week in verse 20 in chapter 6. God had told Noah that to get all these animals gathered in. How did Noah do it? And we were looking at this last week. We were saying, did he have to send out search parties to get a couple of elephants and a few more giraffes and a few things? No. It says here that they shall come unto thee. God, in some miraculous way, put an instinct uh, into those animals and they all arrived. They came to him. And that's what happened here in these verses it says. And uh, the animals went in. 
unto Noah. Amazing. And you know, the whole thing, it says, as God, in verse 9, as God had commanded. It was all ordained by God. Noah had nothing to do with this, really. God had it ordained. God had it planned. He used Noah to be the, the, the means whereby his word uh, became uh, the action. As God had promised, this whole episode was ordained by God and controlled by him. And you know, in the future, the judgment that's coming will be the wrath of God on this world. Controlled and ordained by God. Man may think that he is in control. Man may think that he is in control. But God commands. God commands. And then in verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life. Judgment came. Judgment came. The second month and the 17th day of the month. Judgment came. And this is important because we look at it in the future. But let's look at the Jewish calendar for a minute. The Jewish calendar changed at the time of the Passover. That started the new calendar. If you look in Genesis, Exodus 12, you'll see that this day shall be the beginning of months. The beginning, and they changed the calendar at the Passover time. The year originally began with Tishri, but it now, that is now the seventh month. And this is important, we'll see in a few weeks' time. Nisan or Abib is now the first year of the religious calendar. They have retained in some way the legal calendar as before, but the religious calendar starts now with the month Nisan. The same day, on the second month, on the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up. And the windows of heaven were opened. The sluices of heaven were opened. And all the subterranean springs burst out. And the flood started. The word used there for windows is a different word from the windows word in chapter 616 which we looked at a few weeks ago and just by the way it's a different it's a different word the word in chapter 616 uh, means light or noonday but this word here uh, for windows means the sluices of heaven were opened and there was torrential rain and the the the, the, the springs from underneath burst out and the flood started. And then you know. In verse 16 it says. Noah and his family and all the animals had gone into the ark. And the Lord shut him in. The Lord shut him in. Another translation I saw said. The Lord shut the door after him. They were all in. And they looked round, the door was shut. And amazing. 
God shut the door. You ever thought about this? There was security for those within the ark. Once that door was shut, they had security. You remember the word that was used for pitch when they were pitching the ark inside and outside? It's the same word that is used throughout the rest of Scripture for atonement. Those who have put their faith and trust in the saving blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, He has atoned for our sins and they were secure in Him. The pitch was on the inside and the outside of the ark. We are secure in Christ because He has gained our salvation through His blood. Nothing can for sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Naught of good that I have done, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And they came through the door. What did Jesus say? I am the door. That was their access into the ark. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how they got in. Through the door. And it is only through Jesus Christ that we can have security and peace with God. And God shut the door. Thank God our security does not depend on us. You know, Noah might have been tempted to shut the door himself. But he might not have fitted it properly. The water may have got in. Or he might have been tempted because somebody might have come and knocked on the door and Noah might have said, well, we better let them in. It would have been disastrous. And they were secure. They were in Christ. We are secure in Christ. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's our position as believers. Shut in with thee, far, far above the raging world which wars below. We seek to, to learn and prove thy love, thy wisdom and thy grace to know. Shut in with God. We're secure. Noah may have heard somebody trying to get in. Think of those people outside the ark for a moment. As the waters began to rise and as the rain came. First of all may have cast many an anxious eye at the ark and looked at it. And wondered. Is this what Noah was talking about? And the desperation that must have gripped them. Maybe they tried to, to break their way into the ark. But the hand of God which had shut Noah in had also shut them out. So it's, it's terrifying. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming judgment. Those on the outside were irrecoverably lost. Those on the inside 
were so effectually saved. Weren't they? The lost had been too occupied with their own concerns, albeit legitimate ones. Legitimate ones. Look at the verse that brought this whole thing to our, to our attention a few weeks ago. Luke 17, verse 27. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage. Nothing wrong with that. Until. Until. The day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. God had spoken through his servant and his spirit had striven. But they had refused. My spirit, God said, shall not always strive with man. His Holy Spirit for those times that Noah was building the ark was striving with the people all around him. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He was preaching righteousness. And he was preaching and preaching. God's spirit was striving. But they refused. He spoke of judgment. They did not believe. He spoke of sin and ruin. But they weren't convinced. He spoke of a way of escape. But they did not heed. People acted then as if they had all the time in the world and that the world belonged to them. They were skilled musicians, they were skilled artists, they were property developers. We saw all that in chapters 4 and 5. They were educated until, until the flood came. Please, I wrote down here last night, please, please remember, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son. That's the way it is today. Some people would have us believe that there's a worldwide revival coming before the Son of Man appears in the clouds. A period of universal peace and righteousness. But listen, that's not what Jesus said. What was it like in the days of Noah? The earth was filled with violence. All flesh had corrupted God's way upon the earth. The earth was also corrupt before God. That wasn't a period of peace and righteousness. Righteousness versus violence. Universal peace as against universal wickedness. We may be making the world more civilized, but that is not righteousness. We may be making life more comfortable, but that is not preparing for the coming of Christ. We may be compromising our faith and compromising so as to have a false unity with people. But that is just preparing for the one world church and the, the kingdom of the Antichrist and the false prophet. Be warned. Scripture tells us, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Proverbs said, How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? We Christians need to wake up. Ezekiel 33, it says, I have set thee a watchman. 
We're watchmen. We should be warning people of judgment to come. Because as sure as it happened in Noah's day, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Amen. Amen.